Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 48 of Learning About the Lord. Today we join Jesus uh, at Hebron. He is on his way to his uncle Zacharias's house. Zacharias, if you remember, was the father of John the Baptist, Jesus's cousin. He was also a priest and a very good and just man. And Jesus is passing by and wishes to visit the tomb of Zacharias and Elizabeth. But Judas is angry because he says to Jesus, you promised you were going to come to my mother's house. And Jesus says, why are you worried? I will always keep my promises. And Judas says, well, why bother stopping here? And Jesus reminds Judas that they are still on their way to find the rest of the shepherds. And he says to him, Just think, Judas, you have not yet suffered because of me. These people have been suffering for thirty years, and they have never betrayed me, nor even have they betrayed my memory. They did not know whether I was dead or alive, and yet they remained faithful. They remembered me as a newly born baby, an infant with nothing but tears and the need of milk, and they have always worshipped me as God. Because of me they have been beaten, cursed, and persecuted, as if they were the disgrace of Judea, and yet their faith has never faltered. On the contrary, it took deeper roots and became stronger. I am sorry to see you so closed to the light and so open to human things. I only want you to open your souls to me, that I may enlighten them. What is life? It is a period of pause, I would say the limbo of limbo, that the Godfather grants you as a trial to ascertain whether you are good or bad children, after which he will allot, according to your deeds, a future life without pauses or trials. They approach some houses in Hebron, they are looking for Zacharias's house. An old woodcutter stops and asks them, Whom are you looking for? We wanted to go in to pray on Zacharias's tomb, they say. There is no tomb any longer. Don't you know, says the man. Who are you? I am a friend of Samuel the shepherd, says Elias. And this, it is not necessary, Elias, says Jesus. And Elias keeps quiet. Ah, Samuel, I see, says the woodcutter. But since John, the Baptist, Zacharias's son, was put into prison, the house is no longer his. And it is a misfortune, because John the Baptist had all the profit of his property given to the poor people in Hebron. One morning a man came from Herod's court. He threw John's servant out affixed seals on the house, and came back with bricklayers and started raising the wall. The sepulchre was over there in the corner, but he did not want it, and one morning we found it all spoiled and half destroyed. The poor bones were all scattered. We put them together again as well as we could. They are now in a sarcophagus. And in the house of the priest of Zacharias, that filthy man keeps his lovers, now there is a mime from Rome. That is why he raised the wall. He does not want people to see. The 
house of the priest is a brothel, the house of the miracle and of the precursor, for it is certainly him, if he is not the Messiah. And how much trouble we had because of the Baptist. But he is our great man. He is really great. Even when he was born there was a miracle. Elizabeth was as old as a withered thistle, but she became as fruitful as an apple, and that was the first miracle. Then a cousin of hers came, and she was a holy woman, and she served Elizabeth and loosened the priest's tongue. Her name was Mary. It is a fact, after nine months' silence, that Zacharias spoke praising the Lord and saying that there was a Messiah. He did not explain more. But my wife was there that day, and she assured me that Zacharias, praising the Lord, said that his son would precede him. Now I say it is not what people believe. John is the Messiah, and he goes before the Lord, as Abraham went before God. That's what it is. Am I not right? You are right with regard to the spirit of the Baptist, says Jesus, who always proceeds before God. But you are not right with regard to the Messiah. Well, says the woodcutter, the woman who said that she was the mother of the Son of God, was it not true that she was? Is she still living? Yes, says Jesus, she was. The Messiah was born, preceded by him who raised his voice in the desert, as the prophet said. You are the first to say so, says the woodcutter. John the Baptist, when he was questioned about the Messiah, did not say, The Messiah is here, says the woodcutter. Man, says John, I was a disciple of the Baptist, and I heard him say, Here is the Lamb of God, pointing to... And then the man says, No, no. He is the lamb, a true lamb grew up by himself, almost without the need of a father and mother. As soon as he became a son of the law, he lived isolated in the mountain caves overlooking the desert, and he grew up there conversing with God. Elizabeth and Zacharias died, and he did not come. God only was his father and mother. There is no holy man greater than he is. You can ask everyone in Hebron. John is the holy man of God. And Jesus says, If someone said to you, I am the Messiah, what would you say? And the man says, I would call him a blasphemer, and I would drive him away, throwing stones at him. And Jesus says, And if this man worked a miracle to prove that he was the Messiah? And the woodcutter says, I would say that he was possessed. The Messiah will come when John the Baptist reveals himself in his true nature. The very hatred of Herod is the proof. Cunning as he is, he knows that John is the Messiah. But John was not born in Bethlehem, says Jesus. When he is freed, after announcing by himself his impending oncoming, he will reveal himself in Bethlehem, says the woodcutter. Also Bethlehem is waiting for that. Whilst, oh, go if you have plenty of guts and talk to the Bethlehemites of another Messiah, and you will see. So here we can see that there was a misunderstanding during this era where many people thought that John the Baptist was the true Messiah and did not understand 
that he is the precursor of the Messiah. They haven't seen the Messiah yet. They haven't heard of the Messiah yet. Thirty years has gone by since the birth of the Messiah. And so the only one that they've ever seen who's been vocal and who's shown a great holiness and a fierceness for God is John the Baptist. And so they grasp on to him the idea that he is the true Messiah. And they do not want to hear that the true Messiah is someone else. It's Jesus Christ. The man begins to go away, and Jesus says to him, Goodbye, and may God enlighten you. They turn around to the front of the house where Zacharias and Elizabeth had once lived, and at the door there is a young woman impudently dressed. She's very beautiful. My Lord, she says, do you wish to come into the house? Come in. Jesus stares at her as severe as a judge, but does not speak. But Judas Iscariot does, supported by all the others. Go back in, you shameless woman. Do not desecrate us with your breath. The woman blushes and lowers her head. She is about to disappear, abashed and scoffed at by urchins and passers-by. But Jesus speaks very severely, and he says, Who is so pure as to say, I have never desired the apple offered by Eve? Show me him, and I will call him a holy man. Nobody? Well then, if not out of disgust, but out of weakness, you feel unable to go near this woman, you may withdraw. I will not force weaklings into unequal struggles. Woman, I would like to come in. This house belonged to a relative of mine and is dear to me. Come in, my lord, she says, if you do not loathe me. Leave the door open, says Jesus, that the world may see and may not tattle. Jesus enters serious and solemn. The woman, subdued, bows down before him and dares not move, but the quips of the people cut her to the quick. She runs away to the end of the garden. Jesus goes to the place of the sepulchre, where there is now a kind of small pagan temple, and he says, The bones of the just also when dry and scattered, ooze a purifying balm and spread seed of eternal life. Peace to the dead who lived doing good. Peace to the pure who are sleeping in the Lord. Peace to those who suffered but knew no vice. Peace to the real great ones of the world and of heaven. Peace. The woman has reached Jesus walking along the hedge that protects her. My Lord, she says. Woman, he answers. Your name, my Lord. Jesus. I never heard it, she says. I am Roman, a mime and dancer. I am an expert only in lust. What is the meaning of your name? My name is Aglia, and it means vice. Mine means Savior, says Jesus. How do you save and whom? she asks. Those who are anxious to be saved, says Jesus. I save by teaching to be pure, to prefer sorrows to honors, to desire good at all costs. Jesus speaks without bitterness, without even turning towards the woman. I am lost, says Aglaia. 
I am the one seeking who is lost, says the Lord. I am dead, says Aglaia. I am the one who gives life, says the Lord. I am filth and falsehood, says Aglaia. I am purity and truth, says the Lord. You are also bounty, says Aglaia. You do not look at me, you do not touch me, you do not tread on me. Have mercy on me. First, you must have mercy on yourself, on your soul, says Jesus. What is the soul? asks Aglaia. It is what makes a god of man and not an animal. Vice and sin kill it, and once it is killed, man becomes a repulsive animal. Aglaia asks, Will it be possible for me to see you again? And Jesus answers, Who looks for me finds me. Where do you live? she asks. I live where hearts need doctors and medicines to become honest again, says Jesus. In that case, I will not see you again. I live where no doctor, medicine, or honesty is wanted. And Jesus says, Nothing prevents you from coming to where I am. My name will be shouted in the streets and will reach you. Goodbye. Goodbye, my Lord, says Aglaia. Allow me to call you Jesus. Oh, not out of familiarity but that a little of salvation may come to me. I am Aglaia, remember me. I will, says Jesus, goodbye. The woman stays at the end of the garden. Jesus comes out of it severe. He looks at everybody. He sees perplexity in his disciples and hears jeers from the Hebronites. A servant closes the door. Jesus goes straight along the road and knocks at the synagogue. A resentful old man looks out. He does not even give Jesus time to speak. He says, The synagogue is forbidden in this holy place to those who deal with prostitutes. Go away. Jesus turns away without replying and continues walking along the road. His disciples follow him. They begin to speak when they are outside of Hebron. You asked for trouble, Master, says Judas Iscariot a prostitute of all people. And Jesus says, Judas, I solemnly tell you that she will surpass you. And now, since you are reproaching me, what do you say of the Judeans? In the most holy places in Judea we have been scoffed at and driven away. That is the truth. The day will come when Samaria and the Gentiles will worship the true God and the people of the Lord will be soiled with blood and a crime, a crime which, in comparison with the sins of prostitutes who sell their bodies and their souls, you will see that that is a very small thing. I was not able to pray on the tomb of my cousins and of the just Samuel. It does not matter. Rest, holy bones, rejoice, souls that dwelt in them. The first resurrection is near. Then the day will come when you will be shown to the angels as the souls of the servants of the Lord. So I want to talk about something in particular here. The conversation between Aglaia and the Lord. If you've noticed, what's happening is a confession. 
Aglaia is confessing her sins directly to the Lord, and the Lord is teaching her how to overcome her sins, how to repent her sins, and how to come to the Lord. She comes out and she says, I am lost, I am dead, I am filth and falsehood. And he tells her, I am the one seeking who is lost. I am the one who gives life. I am purity and truth. He says, it is possible for you to find me. Come to me. And I find it very moving because he goes out of his way to comfort this woman, to find this soul that's been used and abused and to give her hope in merciful, kind and loving words to bring her back to life, to bring her soul back to life. She says, I am dead. She's referring to her soul. Her soul is dead. But Jesus says, I am life. So for all of us who are sinful, who know those who are sinful, for whom we pray dearly, there is hope that we pray for the souls of these people, even for our own souls, to come to the Lord, to be forgiven. And the first step in being forgiven is to confess your sin, to admit it, to acknowledge it, and understand that your sins, our sins, have consequences. And now we must deal with the consequences and find our way back to the Lord. Thank you very much for joining me today. Just to mention, I have been reading from the Poem of the Man-God, Volume 1, Maria Valtorta. And we will continue our lessons with Episode 49 next time. Thank you so much again for joining me. Go with God.